Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a bit of a stinker against the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, always an interesting place. There's a very, uh, you, you think when the Jets go rolling into places like Minnesota and Detroit, there's a, you know, a, a home sweet home kind of element to that. And I always think you never know how uh how the players are going to respond to that it's funny we think about the last time that the jets were in minnesota and they absolutely got pumped and i was going through some old stories that i told in some of the hockey night in canada's and i ran across the game that blake wheeler tied and then uh added another point to become the this franchise leader uh, in points um and that was the game where they just absolutely pumped the minnesota wild and it was interesting to go and look and see how sometimes it fe- it feels like it brings the best out of the boys who are going home. And then on some nights, uh, it seems like maybe nerves get to it or maybe there's people in the crowd or maybe they saw some people the night before. I don't know how it goes. All I know is Connor Hellebuck, a Michigan boy, did not have the kind of performance he would have wanted to have while he was in Michigan. Uh, some positives to take away from that game. If you are a Winnipeg Jets fan, if you are a Red Wings fan, if you are a hockey fan, if you've never seen a game of hockey in your life and you sat down in front of the TV and watched that game, I don't know that there is anyone out there that would look and say the Red team was the better team on the ice tonight. If I'm the Winnipeg Jets I'm thinking uh, if there's a seven-game series against that team, you win that series four to one, right? They squeaked one or squeaked one out here tonight. Uh, there was no question who the better of those two teams, who the better of those two rosters is. But this is the reason why I went on the rant I went last show and that similar rant that I've been going on for year after year after year now. When I was going searching through the for the lamplighter comments, I went and took a look at the com- comments from last show, and I I appreciate the fact that a lot of Jets fans are getting it. A lot of Jets fans take a look at that seven four win over the Vancouver Canucks, and rather than just saying "Yay, this is great," there was one comment specifically that I stumbled upon. I wish I would have brought it up into the show. Uh, but someone had said, this is one of those games that Paul Maurice would have been like, Oh, I liked our game, right? No, th- th- that was, that was a, g- there was reason to not like that last game against the Vancouver Canucks. And I think when I go on these rants about the Jets not winning the right way and not handling the game properly, and maybe sometimes even not handling the game with respect, this is the outcome that I worry about. So the Winnipeg Jets last game were a no-show at the beginning of the game, but somehow came out of it and ended up absolutely pumping pumping uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and and they, you take a look at that, and they get away with it, right? They get away with it because they win 7-4, and you start to get this feeling within the room that, you know, well, we could spot these guys a lead or whatever, and we can store, come storming back, or we can go you know go up two goals like they went last game and then just turn it off for a period, you know, and then uh, let them tie it up, and then two more goals, and then we'll just let them tie it up, coast for a good chunk of the game, and then show up at the right time because that's what this team can do. You saw it tonight when they decide to flip the switch They can flip the switch, but this team, and I was excusing that behavior with all of the, uh, and look at me making excuses uh, when I was getting on the chat room uh, for for their excuses when it came to the injuries, but I was excusing the Jets getting kind of pummeled in the first period of games, barely getting any shots, getting out shot 12 
to three and somehow coming out tied up at one or up one, nothing or where, whatever. I was excusing that thinking, okay, maybe this is just a tired team trying to get through this, but Against the Vancouver Canucks, they got outshot. Every game before that, for the most part, the Jets are starting slow and getting outshot. And this is one of those games where it burnt them, okay? And I know a lot of people out there are just trying to hang this uh, on a Connor Hellebuck performance that wasn't typical Connor Hellebuck. I don't think that that's the case. A lot of those goals that are scored, they're not bad goals that the Detroit Red Wings are scoring. I see this as a game where the Jets... Failed to start. It was the rabbit and the hare thing, or excuse me, the hare and the tortoise. And they let the tortoise go out and get a lead. And then they started to pour it on. But this is the problem with playing from behind. The Jets, I don't take a look at this and think this is a situation where Detroit just scored whenever they got a chance. Detroit scored and got a lot of quality looks because as good as the Jets are, they had to up their risk profile to score their way back into that game. And while the Jets do that very good, and when they're doing it very good, they can look dominant. They can sew you up in your own zone. They can get shot after shot after shot. And that's what it looked like. But if you can squeeze the puck past them, you get odd man rushes going the other way. And that's what we saw a lot of today was the Jets putting a ton of pressure in and Detroit coming back the other way and scoring goals. And they were doing it because the Jets needed to push up ice to get back into that game. The Jets were playing from behind that entire game and they were playing from behind because they had a slow start. And then they started throwing goals in the back of the net like they usually do but they never quite caught up and they had to up that risk profile for the entire game in order to produce the, you know, the, the, the opportunities that they were getting, try and get it past a hot, a hot goaltender on that night. And in the end, they just never quite caught up with it. Now you take a look at it again. There's no doubt in my mind, the Winnipeg Jets are a far, far better team than the Detroit Red Wings. But this is where not learning your lesson from that 7-4 victory over the Vancouver Canucks, this is where that comes to bite you. The Jets have to learn that lesson. It's exactly what Rick Bonus said after the last game. He wasn't happy with it. He said that their old game showed up, uh, that old game that we know of the Winnipeg Jets, the Palmieri special, the take swaths of the game off and just use your skill and score your way back into the game last game against the Canucks their old game showed up Rick Bonus said it needed to be rooted out this is the one reason why I think games like this are good for the Winnipeg Jets they need to get burnt for when they don't play right because otherwise I think they have a tendency to not learn their lesson because what I saw was them come out and start this game the same way they took swaths of that game against Vancouver off. They took the beginning of this game off, dug themselves a hole and never quite got back out of it. Hopefully they'll learn their lesson this time. I would think that they'll have a head coach who is intent, intent on making sure they learn that lesson and learn it fast judging by the way that he looked on the TV uh, interview that I saw. But let's go talk to a guy who is in on that interview. Ken's going to have some good insight on how he felt. Rick Bonus felt about that whole performance. Let's not wait any longer and bring him in for it. Time to bring in the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny.
Kenny, it looks like the sex sites have found us early. I'm trying to block heavy. Uh, hopefully we don't lose too many viewers like T. Will to those kind of things. But, uh, uh, Kenny, uh, you were talking with with uh, Rick Bonus uh, at the end there. I saw him on TV. He was very short, very abrupt. He did not seem like he was in a very good mood to me. Now, it wasn't one of those specials where, like in that 7-4 victory over the Vancouver Canucks, he had a lot of critical things to say about his team and their performance. He didn't go heavy into the criticism part of it. It seemed to me like he was almost too angry to get into that and didn't want to rehash (laughs) it, and it was going to save the tongue lashings for his team in the background. Uh, That's what I saw from afar. What did you see from up close? Yeah, I mean, you could tell that Rick was, you know, displeased. Um, certainly not as happy, you know, not as outgoing as Rick normally is after a game. Uh, there was some annoyance. Um, you know, uh, he wasn't. You know, you could tell he was disappointed. But I, I agree with you. He wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, ready to lay things out. And let's put it this way: I think Rick felt like this was one of those days where his team maybe needed a little bit more of a boost than they needed a you know, a tongue lashing, uh, maybe, maybe the, I would say I wouldn't really want to be in that video session, uh, on Wednesday though. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, he said we gave up some chances early that we never give up. So yeah. I personally, do, I mean, I know what he's saying, but I don't love the use of never there because it happened like two days ago. Right. I mean, they had a couple of chances. They never give up against the Canucks also. So, um, Again, this is maybe a little bit too nitpicky. Like that was more of a chance where maybe rarely uh, would be would be preferable there. But um, you know, they had more chance and more than enough chances to win the hockey game. They had eighty five shot attempts and a ton of scoring chances. All of that is accurate. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no way that you can be asleep at the wheel coming out of a game like like that against the Red Wings. I mean, the Red yeah. Wings had lost three games in a row. Uh, you knew they were. Happy with portions of their game, Derek Lalonde uh, mentioning how you know they held they held the Toronto Maple Leafs to two shots on goal in the first period on Saturday night, and then they kind of uh, not caved in, but they sort of you know things things went the other way after that. So uh, what I would say is that uh, the Jets got a little bit loose uh, in the last couple of games, and it ended up costing them in this one. It didn't cost them against the Canucks. Uh, but they've given up, you know, they've given up 11 goals, 10 of them with a goalie in the net uh, in the last couple of games, and they need to get things uh, tightened up. I mean, this was, you know, this was game 41 for them. It's the official uh, the official midway point, and, you know, Nate, Schmidt, <laughs> Nate, Nate Schmidt's pregnant pause, Sean, to me was much more telling than anything Rick Bonus had to say. Uh, Rick was obviously, as we mentioned, disappointed. Uh, when I asked Nate what what he attributed that sort of sluggish start to, he literally took an eleven second pregnant pause before going into his answer, and it was he one of those, those where right? oh I, he is the king he, of the pregnant he measures, pause measures he, his words yeah he, he definitely he, he, he I think there was like a, it was a bit of a staring contest like Nate was like well, would you prefer to ask something else and I'm like. No, I I would prefer, no, I, 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 I kept my mouth closed and I'm like, <laughs> I would actually prefer you answer this one. Um, I mean, and eventually he got around to it and, you know, it was something where Nate basically said the Jets know better. Uh, they know that they don't need to open up their game for offense. They're, this was uncharacteristic, which is accurate. I mean, the Jets are, you know, uncharacteristically loose today in the game, especially in the first period. Um, you know, as the game wore on, obviously they took control, as you mentioned, and 
I mean, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> at at almost every point in that game until the empty netter, you kind of got the feeling that in a one-shot game, the Jets were going to find a way to pull a rabbit out of the hat once again uh, with I a little bit of a magic back. trick. But, um, uh, you know, they didn't. And I, I mean, I'm with you. I think that's a game that if the Jets, if the Jets find a way to win the game, you kind of... You know, if you're Rick Bonus, you can kind of gloss that over. You know, the fact that they lost, you know, a game that they were not sharp enough for um, tells me that they have lessons to learn still, even though they've made all this progress. I mean, Sean, you know, <laughs> I spent I spent some time in the afternoon talking with uh, with our pals in Toronto, uh, Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne, talking about how, you know, structurally sound the Jets are, and then they go out and get seven hung on them by the Detroit Red Wings, right? I mean their structure is improved, but this is one of those games where there were a bunch of high dangers given up early. The Jets were kind of caught, magnetized by the puck, mesmerized, whatever word you want to use. And, um, you know, it cost them in the early going. I mean, it, you know, it does make me laugh a little bit that, you know, at times uh, it's an impatient fan base. <laughs> the Jets basically are... You know, there'll be three points out of first place now at the midway point of the season. And, um, you know, it was not a banner night for Connor Hellebuck. And, I mean, just like another quick update. Sorry, I'm veering off the off the road here. But, I mean, to your point about all the Michigan players in the lineup and the Ontario guys that had family, I mean, after the interviews were done, the, the, the family area was absolutely packed. I mean, mm-hmm. I went down and spoke with Andrew Kopp's father, Andy, during the warm-up. And, you know, that what that almost there was a huge section of Jets fans and tons of 37 Hellebuck jerseys. There's tons of Kyle Connor jerseys. Uh, you know, these guys are still very popular in this area. And I mean, they would be disappointed having kind of laid a bit of an egg at times. No, of course. I mean, they they generated plenty. But I mean, that that's not a jet. We, that's not Jets hockey. Right. I mean, that's not Jets hockey. Uh, they did not find a way to tighten up. There were still too many uh, chances given up. And, you know, Andrew Kopp pulls out two assists in the hockey game. And, you know, you know this was a special one for him. I mean, he told us to us, he said, you know, sure, they took the edge off playing last year in New York. But, I mean, this was an important game for uh, one of the Michigan guys. But the, the guy in the Michigan, the guy wearing the winged wheel or the old school uh, third jersey was the guy who, uh, you know, was feeling a little bit better than some of the other uh some of the other Michigan guys here. I mean, just you know, just a tough night on a lot of fronts. I mean, and like I said, I'm not laying this at the feet of Connor Hellebuck, but let's. You know, the facts are there are not many nights where he gives up six, and he was not under siege. I mean, it was uh, not a high volume of, um, you know, hiding. You know, the, yes, there were some quality chances. It's not like it was a fifty shot affair. I mean, it was just just a bit of an off night. They happened. They happened to the best players in the world at times, and you know, this is one they. Uh, would like to have back and now now again we come to the fascinating time right it doesn't seem like much Sean but I mean all of a sudden they roll into Buffalo Buffalo is a team that's been playing you know crazy hockey they're leading the NHL in goals for so guess what if you're loose against the Buffalo Sabres Sean um, I would suggest it could be another high scoring affair and the Jets don't want that you know that we know they can score goals. They know they can score goals. They need to get back to tightening things up when it comes to their defensive zone play. Um, and that's that's the important thing for me. I mean, right? I mean, that's if I'm Rick Bonus, you need to you know, get your team. I, I think Rick will have his team at attention, and they 
you know, they need to be more sound defensively. Nate Schmidt also touched on it in the interview post game. It gets tougher after the, after the after the break, after the midway point. Teams are crisper. Teams pounce on your mistakes, and they make you pay when you're loose defensively. And that's what they found out this evening. And like I said, the Buffalo Sabers are, are. This is not a misprint. The Buffalo Sabers lead the NHL in goals for four per game. So, um. They, the Jets had best be sharp or it could be, uh, you know, a high-scoring affair. And not that they can't outscore their opponent, but right now they need to get back to uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And hang on, waiters, if, in case you were unaware, Vili Hainel was scheduled to play today. He was out with an illness. He got sick in the afternoon and was unable to play. There's nothing to do with any freeing happening for Vili. He was scheduled to be in the lineup. He took the rushes in the morning, and at 4 o'clock he made the call that he couldn't play. So, I mean, let's let's just hang on. <laughs> let's just hang on on that front before uh, we get a little bit out of control here. Yeah, no doubt. Um, a couple interesting uh, takes that I wanted to point out here. Um, this from Tree G said, maybe they need to find that balance where they take part in offense but not sacrifice defense. I think there's a lot to this comment here right now, and this is the interesting part about this, Ken. Uh, Jeff Hamilton had always pointed out that it was around November 25th or something like that till about the middle of December before they really got bit by the injury bug that the Jets were the highest scoring team in the NHL over that stretch. They'd really kind of come into their own and found their offense. The one thing that I noticed at that time, though, is that's when their defensive game started kind of disappearing and they started having a little bit of the defensive efforts that Rick Bonus wasn't liking. Um, I had thought about the idea and so here someone else is saying this uh dale sawchuk says this roster with 27 on it has not played a bones game i know you're shaking your head at this i i don't i listen listen i i'm i'm not putting this at the feet of nick ehlers not for a second am i doing that what i am suggesting though is the Jets, when they get in and start being able to score the kind of goals that that line has shown that they're capable of scoring, I do think that they and the lines that follow behind them and the kind of rhythm that gets built up is one that this team starts getting really, really invested in their offense and kind of falls a little bit away from their defensive structure. I think that's what happened from November 25th on. We started seeing that, and I think that what happened was this team turned around and started this last five-game winning streak because they were injured and because they needed to get through it by focusing in on their defensive game. And you take all these guys who are patching up the lineup, right? The Kevin Stenlins come in, uh, the Coolmans come in, and those guys are told, listen, the first thing you do is go out and play defense, and we're going to be a hard-to-score against team, and then we're going to lean on Connor Hellebuck, and then we're going to have one of, and I bring up these guys only because they were healthy at the time, one of Mark Scheifele or Pierre-Luc Dubois or Josh Morrissey or Kyle Connor jump up and win this game for us. That's what we're going to do, and that's what they were doing. That's how they were survi- surviving. Rick Bonus said as much. The one thing that I'll watch for with this team going forward, and again, I bring up Dale Sawchuk's comment, not because I think that that Con or sorry uh, Nikolai Ehlers is at any way at fault here. I think he's an example of all of a sudden this stacked lineup full of guys who can do these really amazing things offensively. And I think that the Jets, yes, in their last game and then tonight in this game, kind of fell in love with their ability to push the puck up ice and to create chance after chance after chance after chance. Again, they were the better team on the ice 
by a long shot here tonight. But when the puck went the other way, it ended up in the back of their net. And it ended up in the back of their net because of uncharacteristic mistakes, defensive mistakes that their coach says that they're making. Well, I'm not throwing out the possibility that they're they're tilted and they've got the offensive glasses on and they're heading in the one direction and they're not getting back to the spots that they should be defensively. And it has something to do with their minds clicking to an offense first mindset. Yeah, I mean, like, I know you said it wasn't his fault, but I mean, like, Ehlers wasn't playing when the Jets had were either scoring all those goals or giving them up either. So, I mean... Talking about the recent game. So, 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 uh, sorry, sorry, I just I, don't like, like I, you, It's like you didn't hear a word that I, I said. I did hear every I, word saying, that you said. No, I'm saying he's like a symbolic of coming in and, and stacking the offense. They did it without him because they're that stacked. But you add him in. So I'm just using him as a launching point tonight. That, that I, I, if Dale is saying that Nick Ehlers is the reason that the Winnipeg Jets don't know how to play defense over the last couple of games and allowed 11 goals, I'm a thousand percent disagreeing with it. What I am saying is Nick Ehlers is a guy who is emblematic and symbolistic of offense on this team. And we know what happens with this team when they get rolling offensively. They kind of fall in love with their ability to play offense. To me, it's the sickness that has made this team pedestrian over the last number of years. And it's the sickness that made this team worse and worse and worse from year after year after year. It's the sickness that Rick Bonus is trying to cure. So by saying this, I'm not there's no point in pointing out that Nick Ehlers wasn't here a month ago cuz he's not the point. The point is when this offense has got rolling at its most lethal, that kind of runaway wagon on fire offense that everyone's like that everyone loves from this team, it hasn't played its best defense at that time. So the question to me is can you find the balance and go back to the comment Treegy says Maybe they need to find that balance where they take part in offense but not sacrifice defense. Maybe a healthier game looks like them not being as dominant offensively up front tonight, but but a little less, but actually not just giving up all great opportunities the other way. Because as, as many people want to talk about Connor Hellbuck and say he had a bad game tonight, he still made a lot of really good saves on two-on-ones. There was a lot of good scoring opportunities that he stopped. So everyone who looks at this game and says 7-4, seven, seven yeah, the Jets could have got – sorry, 7-5? Seven, 7-5, five, seven, 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 five, five, yeah. the Jets could have you know got back into this game if they just would have scored a couple more goals. Detroit could have scored a couple more goals here tonight, and it could have been really ugly. It could have been almost like a double-digit kind of game here tonight, and that does not happen if you aren't asleep at the wheel defensively. The Jets were asleep at the wheel defensively. I contend they were asleep at the wheel for good chunks of that last game against Vancouver, and I contend that was the problem when they started having trouble in December. Uh, And I, I say that that problem has looked its worst when their offense has looked at its best. Sure. And, and, and sure, of course. I mean, the Dubois line was on for the first two goals against, but I mean, anyways, I know what you're saying. It's yes, I Sean, I do. It. Yes, I do. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that the comments are coming in. Ehlers but is you said Ehlers right away and his comment was up. That's why people I, are being I, defensive. I mean, that's a launching point. Okay. It's so like when people said the Jets are better with Buff, not in the lineup. It was not a great take. Take this out. This is not a criticism pointed. The spotlight is not pointed at Ehlers. Ehlers represents a stacking of offense here that is firing all cylinders that they love to play. And in doing so, I think they're forgetting to take care of their back end. Drop the Jets need the to win three, two games. I get it. Yes, I'm with you. 
I'm with hey. you. The Jets need to play better. Three, one, three, two games. They don't want to be playing seven, four games or seven, five. I'm, I'm with you 100%. I just, we'll see. My, my bigger point in the bigger picture here is the Jets need more time to figure out what's happening. I think, you know, the Blake Wheeler line was better today with Cole Perfetti and Mark Shifley. It wasn't well, their best, were, but they, they were, were much great. better. Yeah, right. So they're great. Exactly. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I understand Dale may have been kidding and, you know, but some people, that's their take. I mean, but we're like a day game away from that line having 10 points. So I, I didn't think they had defensive issues there. As a whole, the Jets need to be better defensively. We spent the whole start of the show talking about that. Like, this is definitely an issue. But I, I don't think they've suddenly reverted to square one. I think yeah. they, they've shown that they can be better defensively. They're not today, and they weren't Sunday, but... Now we're going to get another test. They're playing the highest scoring team in the league. So show that they can be better defensively. That's their next test. So, um, you know, there's lots of issues. I mean, it's a long season is my point. Um, I agree with you. The Jets sort of have gotten loose at times, and this is not a good time to get loose because the games get harder in the second half. uh, And in games where you are not sharp, other teams take advantage of you. Whether they're a non-playoff team or they're a team that's fighting for the playoffs or a team that's dominant. So, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely curious to see how things transpire in the next little stretch here. I mean, anyways, I, I didn't think that the other thing, I thought the Dubois line was very good, and I don't think they were cheating for offense. That That's my other part of the point. And Ehlers scores 33 seconds into the third to help get the Jets within one. So yeah. I didn't see them cheating. Uh, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois had some shifts where he's a dominant force. I mean, um, there were some shifts where that line wasn't its best, but I mean, the Jets checkers were also on for some goals against. So, I mean, it, it happens. They were not sharp enough. Uh, five on three, I thought, you know, it was a brilliant head snap by Dylan Larkin. I mean, Sean, what did the replay look like? Because in real time, it looked like he might have grazed his goatee. I mean, what did it look like on on the replay on TV? Sorry, for which one? When Brendan Dillon got the penalty that led to the five on three, with a high stick on Dylan Larkin where he might have grazed his chin. I mean, like, was it obvious? I know there was contact no. made. It, it didn't no. seem like a high stick. I mean, like, that's a it, that's a vintage head snap. It's and- funny. Yeah, no, totally. It's a sell job, right? And it, to me, that was a game in which, like, I thought the refs busied themselves Oh, all did night they ever make up calls like where they were just constantly trying to cha- chase a bad call that they made. And I think one of those was was the Mark Shifley call on Mort Sider. Like, I don't know how that was a call like that's two guys fighting for a puck. Um, and I do think it's a little bit of a sell job, but by as as I do think uh, Sider's uh, a pretty big guy, Sean. I don't know that it was as much of a sell as I don't think he was expecting to be hit is more of my I think that's well, like when Buff used to hit guys. guys fighting for a puck. Agreed. Guys, no, I, I agree. It definitely so was two guys fighting for a puck. Call. I thought it was a makeup call, but then I thought that they that they went okay because they gave Shifley that call. It's the reason why they didn't call the grab on on Josh Morrissey's jersey, right? Like it just felt like they were constantly like. Well, I'm going to let that one go because I called that one, and I'm going to call right. that one because I let that one go. It just seemed like they were chasing the entire game. Some people will say, old school hockey guys will say, the refs managed that game really well. They went out of their way to try and make up for mistakes that they kept making in the game. I'm more of the school of, okay, you made a mistake, move on, and now try and call the game properly. It just seemed like it was a constant, nonstop uh, catch-up process here. Holy smokes, we're almost half an hour into this. I just wanted to touch on two things really, really quickly here. Rob Mahoney says you get lit up for six goals. Does it really matter if you make some nice saves? 
Given that it was a one-goal game at some point, yeah, you bet it matters. Of course it matters. They were in that game because he made those saves. And Ian Bloomberg here says, come on, Rennie, four goals on nine shots. Listen, if you want to use this excuse, you better use the excuse. The Winnipeg Jets have the fourth highest shooting percentage in the entire NHL. How many games now have they scored a goal within the first five or six shot of the game? This is a team that outscores its shot expectation by a long shot. So don't be coming in here and giving me this four on four goals on nine shots excuse when the Jets usually win this battle the other way with their goaltender. Listen, it can't always go your way, which is why you don't play this style of game. Not every bounce is going to go your way. I didn't think the Jets got the bounces today. There were a ton of shots from the point that could have redirected and gone in and that have redirected and gone in in other games. You didn't get the bounces tonight. So the way that you win that game is you play it the right way. You don't get bounces and you don't play the right way. You're probably not going to win, even if it's a team uh, that you are clearly better than, as I thought that the Jets were clearly better than the Red Wings here tonight. All right. Uh, hey, um, just wanted to say, Ken, you're looking sharp. Is that a purple tie you got going on there? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a, uh, you know, it's it's for the Horned Frog uh, folks uh, from TCU. Uh, had a tough goal yesterday in the national championship, but still wore the colors anyways. There you go. Nice stuff. Uh, looking good as usual. Uh, you want to look like uh, Kenny. Uh, not so much Rennie here tonight. You want to look like Rennie, you probably got to go pick up a T-shirt for $2 at Old Navy. Uh, but if you want to look like Kenny and look sharp, you got to head down and see our boys at Vittorio Rossi on Cordon Avenue. Go see Frankie and the boys. They will do you up right. They'll have you looking like a million bucks in no time. A million bucks on a budget. They're the best at what they do. Go see the boys there. Ken, it is time for us to launch into because we are way behind. We need your lamplighter on the night here. What did uh, what did you think was the lamplighter? Yeah, some pretty ones uh, on both sides of the coin here. But uh, my lamplighter of the game is the Nate Schmidt goal uh, because of the incredibly great work by Cole Perfetti along the boards. Really nice spin move and an excellent uh, excellent backhand pass to have the activation station from uh, Nate Schmidt as he rolled into the slot for what was the 23rd goal of the season for a Jets defenseman. Uh, Neil Pionk scoring the 22nd, and we'll get to Neil's uh, chaotic evening in a minute. But uh, that play is, our, is my lamplighter. There were a couple of beautiful, uh, you know, back and forths. But uh, I really thought the work by Cole Perfetti, uh, you know, along the boards first and foremost, and then getting the puck in the slot with that great pass to Nate Schmidt. And also, um, you know, good finish by Nate Schmidt. Uh, that's my lamplighter brought to you by the good folks at TransCanada Brewing Company. Good stuff, Kenny. And, hey, if you want to jump in on the possibility of winning a frosty, delicious Eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale from our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. Just share with us your Lamplighter of the game, your goal of the game, and you will automatically be entered to win a frosty, delicious eight pack of Lamplighter. I got to tell you, Kenny, I uh, had an eight pack of Lamplighter uh, with me on the weekend, and it was frosty. It was delicious. <laughs> it was everything that I've said it was, and I know that because I've partaken probably on one too many occasions. Great stuff. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to give you your eight pack, head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them at their tap room at 11290 Keniston. Hopefully, we're going to see a bunch of you there on. Why am I drawing a blank? It's the 21st. On First, the 21st, yes. which is not too far away, uh, our sold out 
Uh, second, it's our Kenny and Rennie winter party. Uh, we've opened up tickets for the next two parties, which are March 18th and March 25th. That's our third and fourth party. I got to say the March 25th party is already one quarter sold out. The March 18th is 10% sold out. So uh, please don't wait. I know that there was a lot of people who messaged me after the tickets were all gone. Now's your time. Uh, I, I, I do get the feeling that a lot of people are thinking, okay, we'll just push it back, push it back. Don't do that. If you want to come uh, reserve your spot at those parties now, that would be great. And I got to say our Lamplighter winner from the last show after Steph Ballingall won the 16-pack, Ken, last one. I can tell you this was an in-show thing last show. I, I announced that she was the winner. I said, you got to send it right here. And within like 30 seconds, she sent me the message. She wasn't sleeping on that one. Uh, <laughs> Braden Mahan gets it this time. So Braden Mahan, uh, I, I think he's fairly new to the show. I know he popped up. I think it was his very first show. He won a Dig Deeper home field shovel. Uh, and now he's already won uh, an APAC of Lamplighter Frosty Delicious Amber Ale. So um, good or great luck on his uh, on his uh, um, part. Uh, Braden, you know what to do. I know you were here earlier. If you're still here, send me a message at SN Sean Reynolds, direct message. I need you to send me your full name, assuming it's Braden Mahan, and send me an email. I actually think I have it, but you need to reach out to me if you want that voucher. Uh, send me that voucher and you will have your own frosty delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale i know you already want a home field uh dig deeper shovel you can pick them up both at the same time when you go there you've already fire. got for the shovel uh excellent stuff Braden. congratulations ken moving on i am interested in your we've got you covered play oh, the game boy. by the johnson <clears throat> uh well that's uh it's a bit of a toughie there i would say the uh the I'm going to give it to the pass by David Gustafson, uh, who was a late addition when Kevin Stenlin was unable to play due to illness. Uh, David Gustafson's backhand sauce to find Sam Gagne in the slot uh, to make it a 4-2 game at 9.46 of the second period. I didn't see a whole lot of defensive efforts that would uh, constitute we've got you covered plays, so... Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> going to uh, slide a little bit deeper down uh, and find one there after uh, Janssen Fialbi ripped a shot over the net. Uh, Gustafson finds the puck and finds an, a loose man in front for a uh, fourth line special for the Jets fourth line that had previously been scored on on the Dominic uh, Kubalik goal uh, after that nice feed from Oscar Sundquist. It was an important response by a fourth line that. Um, you know, Axel Janssen, Fialbi, Sean, you were there on Sunday. I mean, had said they'd been giving up too many goals uh, of late. I mean, the job of the fourth line is not to just tread water. They got to chip in a bit. They did chip in, but they also gave up one uh, after, you know, a tough bounce on Neil Pionk as well. But uh, I'm going to go with Gustafson, who had, you know, comes back into the lineup and uh, gets himself a point. Uh, Rick Bonus has said he needs to provide a little bit more offense, and he yep. did. So uh, I'm going to use that as my we've got you covered here. Good pick in a game where the Jets had less covered than a guy going streaking on the field after the sock falls off. Um, hey, uh, the OGs, the Johnson Group, uh, the Kenny and Rennie Originals, you won't find two business with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates 
stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. That's the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnston Group. Johnston Group, we so appreciate uh, all the support that they have given us right from the very beginning, the first ones on board. Uh, much appreciation to the Johnston Group. Um, Ken, I was talking about the streaker. It reminds me of the time. I was at the very first outdoor <laughs> NHL game right. uh, at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Uh, it, I was young enough to be dumb enough to actually think that, you know, it's like in the movies, they'll say if you want to warm up, you have like a shot of whiskey or something like that to warm you right. up. But alcohol actually thins the blood and makes you colder. It was freezing there that day. It was like minus 25 or something like that. And I was there with my buddy from Calgary, Jared Parks. We uh, worked construction together uh, when we were young men. Anyway, uh, I remember being there and pounding Caesars, thinking that the spice um from the caesar and the alcohol from it would warm me up and all i was doing was just thinning my blood to a point that i was dangerously frozen i think it took me two days to warm up but one guy had it worse than me no doubt a guy streaked the field in exactly that he had a sock uh on his nether regions and went running across he got tackled by the cops and they placed him like chest down in a snowbank and a cop sat there on top of him with his knee in between his shoulder blades and leaned on him for like 15 minutes. It was crazy. And I remember just being so cold and looking down at this guy and thinking like, how has he not died of hypothermia yet? Uh, whatever you do, people, if you do decide you want to go streak, make sure you do it in the warmer climbs. Minus 25 is not a time to do that. I can tell you one thing that would have warmed me up at that time of my life, though, Ken, is if I would have had a headband. I didn't have one then, <laughs> but I've got one now. So let's make this a Kenny and Rennie version, uh, Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. All right, Kenny, you mentioned it earlier. You liked uh, line two. Uh, Cole Perfetti, I thought, was had, to be honest with you, like I thought he had one of his best games of the year. He looked really, really good out there, and he was finding like you know that that passing with his line mates, kind of the inside the phone booth kind of thing. Uh, it didn't end up in a win in this game, but it's, it's one of those nights where I took a look at it and thought like, we saw some dominant performances from a lot of the Jets offense didn't work out. Uh, but what did you take away from that line and how they played? Yeah, way more involved offensively, Sean. Mark Shifley, four shots on goal in just under 22 minutes. Cole Perfetti had two shots, four attempts. And Blake Wheeler, uh, what did he have? One shot, four attempts, three hits um, in just you know 19 minutes. So I thought the fact that he was able to play 19 minutes probably a good sign that his minutes are going up. Uh, I thought that line was much more effective. Uh, I would say Philip Ronick made an outstanding play. Some people are going to say, oh, why was Wheeler passing? Come on. It, it, it took a perfect defensive sliding play where it hit the guy's yeah. skate. Otherwise, it's a backdoor tap for Shifley, and people are going crazy. Oh, what a play. I mean, the play was pass, but the player 
did a nice job of sliding and it hit his it hit his skate i mean it's literally it doesn't always work out i mean the issue for the jets the red wings went back the other way and scored right away so um you know sometimes it doesn't work out and i'm sorry i mean i i've been trying to withhold this as best that i can ian bloomberg come on man i mean connor hellebuck is near the top of all statistical categories including underlying numbers of goals saved above expected yes tonight it's going to take a hit save percentage is not going to be at 928 after you give up six goals but Connor Hellebuck is the reason the Jets are in a race for first place. He had a bad game. That It happens. It happens to the best goalies in the league, and it will happen to other people. But people want to jump off the bandwagon after one poor start. I mean, I don't know. I would reassess things is what I would say to that. So, I mean, I'm not here saying Connor Hellebuck played great today, but... I would say that goaltending would be very near the bottom of the Jets' issues as we hit the midway point of the season here. So let's just keep things in a little bit of perspective. The Jets had won five games in a row. Did they let their standards slip in that fifth game? Absolutely, yes. Connor Hellebuck is not going to be giving up five and six a night with any level of regularity. So let's like just just pump the brakes a little bit and take a deep breath. It's It's hockey. Come on. S. James is calling for it. 31 games out of 41 he's played are you are you gonna are you i said wake up man i said wake up we we need you to say it with conviction we need conviction Uh, (laughs) a wake up should be like sorry i'm so baffled by the take that i don't i'm having trouble even i I can't imagine he's actually serious if that's the take (laughs) come on wake up let's go (laughs) there it is there it is. Come on, Ian. You're in here a lot. Right. We appreciate your takes, but that is not a good one. All right. Um, oh, here. I want to respond to something. Yikes. Um, uh, oh, here. Bick Ronis uh, says, who is not winning that we've got you covered? It's Lowry who can't clear the puck on the five on three. Okay. This, this to me, goes back to my original point about the risks that the Jets have built into their system that usually works for them but in some cases bites them. So this is one of those times Adam Lowry gets the puck and what does he try to do? What is almost any team out there gets the puck and they just fire it down the ice. What does Adam Lowry and the Winnipeg Jets for the most part try to do? They get the puck and they're down a man. They try and go the other way and score. Rick, Rick Bonus wants that from his team. Adam Lowry was simply trying to do what he's done all year, chip the puck up the ice, get to it first, and try and go in on a breakaway. There's a reason this guy gets all these yeah. breakaways. So I know Bick Ronis points to this, and clearly it's a mistake, right? It's a mistake. It ends up in the back of his net, but it's a mistake born out of an effort to do something he's been asked to do time and time again and to take a more riskier play than the safe play. So if you don't like what Adam Lowry did tonight by giving that puck away and adding up in the back of your net, then the counter to that, to tell him stop doing that, the counter is to take away all those breakaways that he keeps getting and those breakaway goals that he keeps getting on the penalty kill because they are getting those because they are more aggressive than your average team when it comes to that. They are trying to create scoring opportunities. They're not trying to kill the clock. You saw Detroit tonight. They got the puck. They fired it straight down on the power play. They're trying to kill the clock. That's not what the Jets do. So while Lowry messed this up and while he's going to be kind of, you know, probably a little pissed Nobody off. Nobody feels worse than Adam Lowry. 
No doubt. And but he did the right thing. He just didn't execute it properly. He had Moritz Sider standing flat-footed. If the yeah. puck is by him, he's by him. So he didn't exactly. make the wrong play. Yes, would it's it have been simpler do. to dump it out? Of course it would have. But Adam Lowry saw a chance to tie the game. I mean, yes, I understand it ended up in the back of the net. And you could see by the dejected look on his face that he felt terrible about it. But it wasn't a bad play. It was poor execution. And there's no other forward Rick Bonus would prefer to have on the ice in a 5-on-3 than Adam Lowry. So tough break. Larkin scores, yes. But... <laughs> Adam Lowry's killed a lot more penalties than he has, uh, you know, made poor plays on. So, this, but this that, right here, this would be the leading comment for the home field dig deeper award if Kenny's water bottle would just have the courage to send his information <laughs> to Ken to pick up the two he's already won. But this is the perfect, perfect take on this. It's like Morrissey's spinoramas. It looks great, but one day he's going to get poke checked and he's going to give up a breakaway the other way. It doesn't mean we want Morrissey to stop trying it. They'll take the risk. That's exactly what you saw tonight from Adam Lowry. Yes, it didn't work out. Yes, the execution wasn't there. And there's something to be said about a guy not executing at the right moment. But the only reason on a five-on-three that Adam Lowry is trying to get a breakaway on that five-on-three is because that's what his coaches have been telling him to do. He's doing what he's been told. It didn't work out. Uh, but this, this, was, this was the perfect perfect explanation of this too bad kenny's water bottle just doesn't have i don't I don't know what's going on i don't want to say he doesn't have the stones to show himself to you just know this again kenny's water bottle if you let ken know who you are he will not pass the information on to me we've made sure we talked about it off the show you should claim your shovels ken will not ken ken will keep it under his hat who you are you will never know. You can continue trashing my takes all you want and never need to worry about having to own up to them face-to-face. -face. Do your thing. Do your thing. Um, hey, uh, line one. I want you to talk about line one and what you thought of it. Yeah, I mean, tough start. Two goals again straight away, but I thought there was lots of buzz. I mean... Ehlers scores. They had tons of chances. I mean, it was seemed like... It seemed like... Uh, Dubois had the puck in the stick a ton. They had some good cycle shifts going. Um, you know, I don't think it was their best, but I think they generated plenty. Uh, you know, had lots of opportunities to get things done. Um, you know, not. I don't know that there was as much flow on the rush, Sean, as we saw the other night. Uh, but here, so Dubois involved all game. Four shots, ten attempts. Kyle Conrad, one shot, six attempts. And Ehlers had five shots on goal and 11 attempts. So they were involved. I mean, like if anyone says they weren't involved offensively, they weren't watching. I mean, that, that just is the way it goes. I mean, they were involved. Um, it wasn't the best game for the Lowry Baron Kuhlman line, but they still had a ton of chances also. I mean, um, like I said, generating offense was not an issue for the jets here. They had 37 shots. And what did he say? Rick said 85 attempts. That's what it was. 25 miss, 25 missed 23 blocked. 37 on goal. I mean, this is the other crazy part. Billy Huso never really looked settled, but he, he finished with 32 saves and a lot of, like he made two ridiculous saves on tips from Mark Shifley on the six on five, right before the empty netter happened. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was one of those strange games. Um, it's interesting. I mean, Nate Schmidt called the Red Wings a little bit unpredictable. So, 
they're a team that is a team that's trying to you know build a culture under Derek Lalonde, who has the you know the Tampa plan and uh, his account. He was very happy about the accountability and the competitiveness, but they had three losses in a row, and then the coach starts to wonder if they're going to stray from the structure because they haven't been scoring enough. Well, today they today they they have found a way to get seven goals, but I also don't think their defensive competitiveness was very high, but. At the same time, they found a way to get the job done, and those are building blocks that a young team can put together, and those are lessons the Jets need to learn. I mean, sometimes you're not going to have your A game. Sometimes their B game needs to be enough, but, you know, they weren't good enough early, and and that's the way, you know, that's the way the old cookie crumbles for them. So um, we should go uh, Lou and then bigger picture on uh, Midway Point here as we get into uh, well, the last that. 10 hit, minutes or so. Hit them with a little sweet Lou action. Yeah, you bet. Uh, if you are on the in the realty market, if you're looking to buy a new home, if you're looking to sell your current home, if you're looking to just see what's happening in the marketplace and uh, you know in your neighborhood or another neighborhood you're considering moving to, uh, contact Lou Ferlin of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. His email is lou at lou ferlin. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N dot C-A and his website is www.lou com. Loved loved the line from someone earlier in the chat who said even Lou would have a hard time selling that uh, performance <laughs> for the Jets tonight. That was great stuff. I got sorry, that's louferlin.ca, not .com. Sorry, brain yeah. cramp. I'm um, either. I got to tell you, I'm ready to hand out the home field dig deeper shovel for the dig deeper comment of this episode of Kenny and Rennie. I'm going to throw this bad boy out. To Greg Friesen, recently retired. Uh, he used to come, uh, I think, the Perlator Courier. Uh, used to stop and chat with him in the driveway all the time. Uh, he'd be listening to us and uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Illegal Curve Boys, really dedicated to the local scene here. We appreciated him for that. But what I appreciate is his take here because it touches heavily on a lot of themes we talked about tonight. Greg Friesen says, if we were ahead, meaning the Jets, if the Jets were ahead by a goal, Lowry probably does the safe play but took the risk to try and tie the game up. This is what I was talking about earlier on. The Jets, in order to get back into that game to erase the mistakes and the slow start and the not handling the game the right way, the way they did out of the gate, were chasing the game. In a moment like this, does anyone think that Adam Lowry is going for the breakaway if they're up by two goals at that point? No, that thing's going straight down the ice. They're not taking any chances. Greg Friesen nails it here when he says, that Adam Lowry is doing that because at that moment in the game, what he's thinking is we need a goal. And here's the opportunity. I chip it past this guy. I'm on a breakaway. You know what I'm doing. I'm skating down the ice. I'm going to make a move to the side and throw it in between the legs. We all know what's coming. The goalies know what's coming. He still seems to be able to score on them doing that. But he's doing that at that moment because he's trying to affect a game in a way that the Jets are behind and need to score their way back into it. So you take chances at inopportune times. The Jets do a very good job of having those chances turn to gold for them. It didn't in that case. Uh, it went against them. But Greg Friesen absolutely nails this. And Greg, I know that you already won the lamplighter. Uh, same deal. You just got to direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, give me your full name, which I know is Greg Friesen. And I think I already have your email, but send it again. And I'll send you a voucher to go head on down 
Uh, actually, Greg Friesen, I'm fairly certain, is going to be at the Kenny and Ready party on the 21st. So if you want to yes. wait till then, I think there's going to be a lot of people leaving that party with these beautiful shovels in their hand, everybody. So uh, keep digging deeper if you want to get in on this action. Uh, absolutely good stuff. There's also um, T. Kona Pauly, Helly's Kitchen, and Lowry's Left Hand. Lowry's Left Hand and Helly's Kitchen, I found out, are the same person. Um, it, he, he has two that he needs to give away. Um, Transcona Pauly has one that he needs to give away because they are, are not able to take them. So what you need to do is you need to message me, and you also need to um, pick someone in the chat room. We're not going to do it because that'll show favoritism. It's not going to work out well that way. And while I'm here, Kenta, oh hey, sorry, I forwarded you that email from Paul the other day. Chief oh, you did? Pauly. I did after I, uh, we got the did other he send one. Send it again. I did. I didn't uh, see it. Okay, it was I'm after the one from Ryan Friesen. It might have shown up on the same link, though. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you have it. Well, you have it. Must it. have been different. Okay, I'll go looking for it. That was that one made my day. By the way, <laughs> Indeed. Um, Indeed. I just want to go through a quick list of the people who have yet to claim their shovel. Kenny's water bottle. You have two to claim. Blue Thunder, T. Kona Polly, John Rayo, Robert Starr, and Baba Jet. It's a small list now. It used to be like thirty people deep. I'm almost fully caught up. People, make sure you get a hold of me and let's close that out. Um, hey, I wanted to. St- uh, I wanted to. Uh, touch on sam gagne i want to go here quickly bad mood blake does riddick start on thursday i would say i would say no because generally connor hellebuck bounces back from poor or un un you know subpar performances i would that was always a rule under paul maurice i would imagine rick bonus wants to give his number one guy a chance to uh get right back on the horse rather than sit on it and then play the back end of the back-to-back so i say riddick on friday against the penguins for when you're uh, going to be there with me, yes, yes, I'll be, uh, I'll be doing that. Oh, Colorado looks like they came down, came back from being down four-one to the Panthers, four-four game. Says waiters. Um, okay, I wanted to talk about Sam Gagne. Sure, uh, you don't need to. Um, I can, I can do this, but okay. you can add to it if you want. I just thought um, Sam Gagne's moments to shine. Uh, I think he was given his moments to shine up on those top lines, um, and I think what we found out about Sam Gagne was that in those times him carrying the mail on those lines for a significant amount of time or the increased ice time probably doesn't translate well. But I'll tell you this, like that goal that he scored was exactly what the Jets needed at that time of the game. And I thought was going to be kind of uh, the spark that had the Jets come back in this game. And I honestly thought, Ken, right down until the, the Red Wings scored that empty net goal. I thought the Jets were coming back and winning that game in overtime. Um, but Sam Gagne, I'll say this time and time again, he is making so much of the time that he gets on the ice. And the one thing I'll say about him seems every goal he scores, it's not garbage time. It's not throwaway. The goals that he scores are are meaningful goals. And so I, I know that there's a lot of people, I, I know specifically about some people who are really down on Sam Gagne and don't think that he fills the role very well. I couldn't disagree more. What he does is in a bottom six that doesn't necessarily put up the most amount of points. I mean, here we are celebrating players like David Gustafson when they get points or Kevin Stenland when they score goals. Uh, um, Morgan Barron is a perfect example of a guy who put up a couple of points and our chat room was going crazy about him. And I feel it's, you know, it's kind of strange when it comes to Sam Gagne that people seem to 
actually, uh, you know, like really kind of advocate against him. I I think the role that he serves, he isn't able to be what Saku Manalainen is or what Morgan Barron is or what Kevin Stenland is. But what he does is he adds a little bit of scoring punch, just a little bit to kind of make up for the scoring punch that is not happening in the bottom six. And again, the goals that he scores seem to me to be important goals at important times of the game. I, I'll go back on this and say it again. I think he's already earned the money that the Jets paid him this year. Everything that he does and has been doing since I think about the third third way point of the season has been value added. But I go back to this again. The role that he is filling is the exact role that he's been asked to fill. He's not out there to steal the puck away from guys and take it in the other direction. He's not out there to lay the body. He's not out there to be one of the top five scorers on this team. He's out there to do exactly what he's doing pop up every once in a while with a veteran presence score some big goals the way he's been doing be a really good dressing room presence which we've seen ken absolutely love his kids running around and blake kids (laughs) running around stealing bubble gum in the dressing room while we're all working it's great i love that kind of stuff i love the atmosphere that it's created Sam Gagne has been a value add for this team. He's done everything that you could ask for a guy making 700 or whatever the league minimum is. I believe he's making $750,000 a year. And tonight, even though they don't come up with the victory, and even though for the most part this is a defensive effort that you should forget by the Winnipeg Jets or that they hope they forget or at the very least learn from, I thought Sam Gagne once again showed why he's on this team and gave this team a bit of a kick in the butt at the right time. Uh, He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, he's been very good. I mean, Sam's not a top six player anymore, but he did a nice job of, you know, providing a band-aid solution when that opportunity was presented to him. Um, I thought, you know, there've been a couple of times where he's been a healthy scratch. He's come back. He's had good legs. He's not going to have his A game every, every day, but he's a smart veteran and he gets the job done. And I love how you, you, you explained it. I mean, he squeezes a lot out of his opportunities and, you know, he's out there showing good leadership after the game tonight, after a tough loss, he's out there explaining, you know, keeping a very composed, you know, pointing out the errors while not pointing fingers. And I mean, it just, he's really fit in well and, I would say he's not a replacement for Paul Stastny because they aren't playing the same roles. I mean, Paul Stastny no. was a second-line center or second-line winger when he was moved to the wing. I mean, um, Sam has been more of a complimentary player who has done a nice job of finding a fit for himself. Um, he's fit in really well. I mean, there have been times where he's been on the second power play unit, and I expect he would be back on it before the year is over. And... You know, he's done an excellent job uh, on many fronts. I think he was a very smart addition. Uh, He, you know, as soon as the Jets signed him, I had a couple messages come in right away. You're going to love Sam Gagne dealing with him. Super good person. I know exactly who sent you those messages too. Well, and we also know too, I mean, you know, from talking to Andrew Cogliano on on that first Jets trip, Sean, I mean, uh, you were talking with him about the broadcast and I talked to him for my Sam Gagne feature back then and, you know, these guys are similar players. They've played for Rick Bonus. They're used in similar roles. Uh, they bring tremendous value, and it's really important to have players like that. And you know, would the Jets love it if Sam Gagne was six foot two and a physical guy? Of course. But Sam Gagne plays with incredible com- competitiveness. Uh, he's very skilled still, and he's very smart, and that's why he's played more than a thousand games at the NHL level, and you know, has seen his role evolve from being a 
you know, a guy who's drafted six overall and been a high end scorer to being a guy who can fill out your roster and you can play him anywhere you need him. Yeah. Um, okay. We should be getting this uh, closed down. Comet says this because obviously a lot of people are watching what's unfolding with the Colorado Avalanche and the Florida Panthers right now. Comet says, is this Pomo's final game if they lose in regulation? My, the sources that I've talked to say the Florida Panthers are not going to move on from Paul Maurice during this season. It is not happening. Uh, I, from what I can take from those sources, I mean, you never know who those sources are hearing it from. If they're hearing it from Paul Maurice-friendly sources, it could be one of those things that gets thrown out in the media that says that. Here's why I think it's right. Here's why I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, Bill Zito made that whole, uh, that uh, hiring amongst a lot of fanfare. There were a ton, a ton of quality uh, coaches out on the market this year. Uh, Ken, you and I, we, we went through this at the beginning. You agreed with the hiring. I didn't agree with the hiring. I thought that it, uh, they were crazy not to be uh, heading in a different direction. It very much seemed like the Florida Panthers had eyes only for Paul Maurice uh, in this process. I don't know that 100%, but hearing the story from Paul Maurice, it sounds a lot that way. Uh, and we never heard, you know, from talking with some of the people in our industry who I've talked to, it didn't sound like they were in on a lot of the other coaches. Bill Zito went all in. Bill Zito grabbed all his chips, and he had a massive, massive pile of chips last year. With, built up with the Florida Panthers, and he took all those chips and pushed them in on Paul Maurice. So I think one of the things keeping Paul Maurice safe right now is not the performance of the Florida Panthers or any kind of look that there's something that's going to happen with him and that team in the future. I'd say the thing that's keeping him safe is Bill Zito firing him in the middle of the season would be an absolute admission that he messed up that hiring and could end up in him losing his job. That's what I think is keeping him well, safe. Well, the other thing too, the reason why, it, you know, I mean, Andrew Burnett was a guy they thought was going to keep the job, right? I mean, that was uh, part of the things that complicated the search, I believe, as well. So, anyways, no doubt. Good. And I think Andrew did a great job last year, for the record. And I know that we've uh, discussed the series with Tampa plenty, but um, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, Florida's had terrible goaltending this year, also. I mean, I'm not Paul is Paul definitely needs to take some accountability, and I'm sure he has, but. It'll be interesting to see what's happening with that team. The, the the big trade they made is working out way better for Florida than it is for Calgary. Uh, Huberto has not performed at a level that we're used to seeing him, Sean. Uh, Mackenzie Weger took a tough time to get going. Uh, he's played better of late. And <laughs> Matthew Kachuk's been one of the best players for the Panthers. So it's it's been a bit of a strange, strange scenario for that team, for sure. They have yeah. not performed up to their level, but their goaltending has also been... Uh, pretty subpar but i mean then they got to play better defensively that's the other part of the equation i'll tell you this their goaltending was subpar two years ago and they went into the playoffs and were part of like the one of the best playoff uh battles that i've seen in the first round with the tampa bay lightning uh the other thing i'll say is a lot of people are trotting out the excuse that they lost a lot of key players and they did no doubt they did um the one thing i will say is you take a look at that lineup it is still filled with players who are capable of playing really good hockey players that i saw come into this building in winnipeg last year and look just absolutely razor sharp and that's not what i saw from those players this time around listen I'll tell you this, 
and we've seen it from the Jets before. Take a look at the Jets when they are injured, when there's a certain amount of guys out of the lineup and not playing well. Are you still seeing guys like Connor Hellebuck play razor sharp? Are you still seeing Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois? I mean, how good did Pierre-Luc Dubois look when he was helping carry this team over the month of December? That's not happening there other than with their newest pickup. Uh, but there's a lot of guys who have absolutely disappeared on that roster from the games that I've watched and the, the game that I saw in Winnipeg. Uh, to your point, Ken, uh, Huberdeau has not taken kindly to the – or his results show that he has not taken kindly to the coaching in Calgary. Um, that's one of those trades that you're right. It is better for the Florida Panthers. Um, but, but the results boy, aren't boy, better. Yeah. The results are not better. Uh, that's a tough, tough uh, slog going on there. Okay, uh, time to shut it down. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a tricky one for me on Wednesday night. I should be in town. I should be touchdown in sorry, Pittsburgh. Sorry, Thursday, you mean? Uh, sorry, Thursday. I should be touchdown in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm hosting the Friday night game, which, again, I think we're doing kind of like a Saturday night game on the Friday night. Uh, but uh, I just I'll make sure that there's no issues that we need to take care of there, Ken. Other than that, I will see you in Pittsburgh, but uh, I'll see you on this program before then on the Thursday night and hope to see you all as well. Uh, hey, if you haven't uh, clicked uh, like, please leave us a like before you go. It helps us get this out to more and more people. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do that as well. Thank you so much, everybody. Great job. We will see you on Thursday.